Good morning and greetings in Christ's name to each one of you here this morning. Welcome each one to our service and trust that we've been blessed this far. I guess just going back to our Sunday school lesson a little bit, um, as we think of how we relate to our authorities, how we're called to relate to them. Um, someone brought out in the verse there about, about being the minister of God. I forget how I put that there. And, um, you know, I think we have it pretty nice compared to what Paul had in our government. Um, I believe, and I, yeah, I believe Nero would have been um, in office at that time. And um, what we know of, of Nero was that he was not a, a good and a, a pleasant um, emperor to be under, and uh, that he was ruthless. And so we certainly are blessed, um, even though we would choose things differently uh, if we could. But uh, let's be thankful for how God has blessed us and remember to, to um, respect our, our civil authorities, as God would call us to. This morning for a message, I invite you to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. We have in here a very familiar account. We have, well, you want to call it three parables or do you want to call it one parable? Um, three stories that would would um, make up, I think we could say, one parable. Looking at the love of God, I've entitled my message Divine Love. And just, just thinking about God's love, um, we have in our songbooks here uh, song number 153. And uh, Ryan, if you want to leave, leave that one at the end, I'm fine with that. 153, the love of God. First verse says, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child, he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. First line, the love of God, greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. So I feel really um, inadequate in, in thinking and talking about the love of God. But it's something that I, in my life, want to consider more. I want to recognize more the love of God. The love of God for me personally. And I want to... to um, just be more aware of how much he loves me. And I think that's so important for us as Christians. We can, at least I can, 
can tend to um, maybe not see it as personally as I should. So we have the three stories here, and I just want to go through each one individually. The one that we probably know the best is the parable of the prodigal son. But we also have uh, the lost sheep and the lost coin, three things that were lost. And I trust that each one of us can picture ourselves as the lost item lost item that was searched for and that has been found. The opening of the chapter here, Luke 15, uh, the first two verses, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And we know that as Jesus was here on this earth, that he cared about the sinners, that he was willing to rub shoulders, and that he was willing to go against what the Jewish culture would have said is acceptable. He was willing to identify with the lost. In fact, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to show his love to them. The first parable, the first story, the parable of the shepherd. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So the shepherd, a shepherd cares for his sheep. And he, he does what's best for them. And we have the, the scene here of a shepherd who has brought his sheep uh, into the fold for the night, and he's caring for them, uh, possibly caring for wounds that they may have gotten during the day. He counts them, he makes sure they're all there, but he comes up short, one sheep. There's one sheep that is missing. And the shepherd leaves the 99. He goes out into the wilderness to look for that one lost sheep. He leaves the safety of the fold and what comforts there may have been uh, of the fold there. And he goes out into the dark, the dangers of the night, seeking. We have the shepherd seeking and finding and then when he finds the sheep, he rejoices. And he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. Now, our Savior came to this earth seeking for lost sheep. He came to die for the redemption of mankind. 
He gave his life. He left the comforts. He left the safety of his heavenly home to seek and save. And, and each one of us was as that lost sheep. 1 Peter 2.25 says that we were as sheep, gone astray, but now are returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. So we are that sheep that has been found. And, and thinking of Christ's love, John 15.13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As I think of, of the shepherd and rejoicing, the shepherd, and yes, that's Jesus, he does not rejoice on his own. But when one comes to Christ, he rejoices and he calls his friends. He calls the church to rejoice. And I just have to think of the contrast there um, of the Pharisees and the scribes murmuring about Jesus rubbing shoulders with the sinners and the publicans. And that is not at all what God's plan is. But his plan is that we are with him seeking. Um, that we are seeking to add souls to the kingdom, to draw souls to the kingdom. The next story, the story of the woman and the lost coin. Uh, reading from verse 8 through 10 here. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So the woman, searching diligently for one lost coin. She had ten coins, she lost a coin, and she's searching diligently for it. As I think of, of searching for something in the house. Um, so it says here that um, she swept the house, searching diligently. Going through the dirt, moving furniture, carefully sweeping the floor. And, and just thinking, you know, at times probably every one of us is looking for something lost in the house. And you may look under the couch and if you have a family you know what you find under the couch um, maybe you look behind a piece of furniture behind the dresser and if you haven't moved the dresser for a while you know what you find behind the dresser um, not necessarily so pleasant this cobwebs and unless this is just our house I kind of doubt it but uh, So this coin was, was valuable to the woman. She found the coin, as the story goes, and she also <coughs> rejoices with her neighbors. And this woman could be likened to the Holy Spirit who's seeking the lost. We looked at Jesus, the Son, 
the shepherd looking for the lost. And now the Holy Spirit seeking the lost. And just, just a passionate seeking. Um, going through the house and, and committed to finding that coin. Looking for something that she could use. She could then use that coin when she found it. And even so, the Holy Spirit, um, and I, I think here how it says she lights a candle and, and is looking. The Holy Spirit is as a light, looking and seeking for souls, lost souls, that he can bring to salvation and can use in the work of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is still finding souls today. And may we be called to rejoicing as this, the, the Spirit finds souls. We have both the shepherd and the woman who are expending much effort, much energy to seek what was lost. And, you know, the thought came to me, what about the 99 that were left or the nine coins that were left? Um, the 99 who the shepherd went out away from them the nine coins who were left wherever. And you know, as I think of that, um, I think of the fact that in the fold, those sheep were left in safety. I'm sure they were being cared for. And even so, as, as Christ finds the lost, as the Holy Spirit brings the lost to God and to the church, that there is a safety that each one of us has been brought into uh, in being with the redeemed, with God's children. We see a tremendous love and concern to leave what is safe, to go out and to seek. And you know, as that, that shepherd could have said, I need to care for these 99. It's only one that got lost. We need to leave that one. We'll go care we'll, we'll continue caring and protecting for the 99. Or that woman could have said I still have 9 coins and I'm going to take good care of them. I can't chance losing another one. We're going to leave that one coin. As we go through these different stories here, each part of the parable, the comparative value builds. So we have one sheep out of a hundred. We have one coin out of ten. Okay, so the percentage is getting greater. But we're coming to another parable that it's one son out of two sons. So the value comparing is getting, is getting larger, I guess you could say. But I think what we need to understand is that the value boils down to the fact that God has a deep love for each and every soul. It doesn't matter how many souls there are in the kingdom of God. If there's one soul that is lost, one soul that has gone astray, that God has a deep love for that one soul. Every soul is valuable.
to the Heavenly Father. Our next parable, next story, next part of the parable is the lost son. Continuing reading at verse 11, reading through the end of the chapter. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. <clears throat> We have here the picture of a soul that is seeking freedom from the Heavenly Father, only to take on the bondage of sin. This young son went, he went out from his father, he took the inheritance that he had asked of him, and he went into riotous living, or we could say wildly extravagant 
unrestrained living. The pleasures of sin looked appealing to him. And that was the choice he made. But he came to the end. He became morally broken. And he went to tend swine, to feed swine. And I think we understand the Jewish culture enough to know that pigs are the unclean animals. They want nothing to do with pigs. They are despicable. They are unclean in the eyes of the Jews. So naturally, as he went to care for the swine, he, was, he went to the bottom. And, and he spent some time. We, as the story goes, we know not how long, but spent some time at the bottom. And if the lost son, if his father had seen him, he would have been an utter shame to his father. It was when he came to the end of his rope that he recognized, you know what, here's where I am, here's what I could have, that he came back, he chose to return to his father. You know, I think as we see how it goes on here, I think we can recognize, though, that if the father had seen the son in those conditions, that he still would have had a deep love for his son. Because we get the, the feeling here, I do, the feeling, that the father was just, he was looking, he was longing for the return of his son. The son left home. The father still had responsibilities. He still had how many hired servants? And he still, I'm sure, had to direct in the work of the hired servants. But just as my imagination goes here a little bit, I think of that father who's directing the work of his servants, but his mind isn't totally there with the servants, the daily activities. His mind is on his son out there. And possibly the operations of the farm or whatever there suffered some because the father didn't totally have his mind on, on the work. And maybe as he's talking with the elder brother or the servant, he's talking, but his eyes are watching that road. Just watching, just perchance his son should return. His love didn't die for his son when he left home. He still held that deep love for his son. And you know, one day that son returned. As the father was watching down that road, he saw a figure in the distance. Maybe he was talking with one of his servants at the time. I don't know. But he left off. He left whatever he was doing, and he went to meet his son. His ragged, tattered son. It wasn't a fine, successful businessman who had invested 
the inheritance wisely. He didn't come home with a prestigious education, prepared to make a success, but rather dirty, ragged, broken, probably smelling like the swine yet, spent slave material. He came home ready to just be a servant. But to the father, this was his son, the son he loved. He hurt for him. He longed for him. And you know, I believe he would have loved to go out before that son ever returned. He would have loved to go and bring him home. But rather, he, he allowed him to choose. He allowed him to come home on his own. To come home broken, to recognize who he really was and what he really needed. The father runs to his son. He embraces him and kisses him. He accepts his return, his confession, and he brings together his whole household again. What's he doing? He's rejoicing. He's rejoicing in the turn, return of his son. The son was lavishly welcomed. And you know, I think we get a picture of God in this. When a sinner comes in repentance to God, just a lavish, an abundant welcome. We go on here, we see the elder brother. And I think we could liken him to the Pharisees in the beginning of the passage here. The murmuring Pharisees who saw Jesus eating with the sinners and, and just thought it wasn't fit, thought it wasn't proper. Murmuring, thinking that sinners were unworthy of God's love. And you know, the younger son here really was unworthy of God's love. But who of us today is not unworthy of God's love? Each one of us in our own is unworthy of the love of God. I believe that pride can make me see myself as more worthy of God's love than another person. I think there was a pride in the elder son here. As we think of the depths of God's love, just want to look at the last verse of the song I had looked at earlier, The Love of God. And I, I like the imagination of the songwriter here. Uh, we saw imagination in the first verse. The last verse, and just try to picture this. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry 
nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. The songwriter's using the impossible in his imagination. Um, impossible to have an ocean full of ink. It'd be impossible to, to drain the ocean of ink as we're writing. Um, every man a scribe by trade, if all of us men were writers and would just be right, all men of the whole world be writing about the love of God, we, we still couldn't get finished through all of time. If a scroll or if the sky was covered with paper and every time we would, as these scribes, we'd fill a paper, we'd put it up there in the sky, um, they would have been used to the scrolls, unrolling the scrolls, but if we're used to pages, if we would tack those pages up there each time we write a page, uh, there wouldn't, we wouldn't fill the sky. The love of God is just far beyond what we can imagine, and we can talk about it this morning. We're just hardly putting a scratch in the surface. This morning, I, in my personal life, I want to grasp, and I, I can't even say I want to grasp how much God loves me, but I want to at least grasp a little bit of how much God loves me. And I, I think for myself, I, I've always known to say that God loves me. And I think I've probably always understood to a degree that God loves me. But I think I've had a lack in my life. I know I have. In, in just recognizing how deeply God loves me. So much that, that he, he really wants my relationship with him. And we can, you know, we can think of how the Son was willing to come to this earth to die. And the Holy Spirit drawing us to himself. God accepting us as the Father accepted the Son. Dirty, vile, and wretched. But just the fact that God, I don't know how to say it, just, just that he really wants me. And he's not trying to keep some things obscure from me. And, um, you know, God's not playing tricks on us. He, he gives us everything we need to live the Christian life. And, you know, if we stop and think, we can, we can see in just many ways how much God loves us. Think of how blessed, abundantly blessed we are. How God, even things that we don't think about. He cares for us. He meets our daily needs. And I just 
had to think about it the other day as, as I was um, in preparation uh, for, for uh, the message here. There was a, a distraction that I had. And I prayed to God that God would, would just make it clear to me that I, I didn't want to be distracted by this. And you know, it was about that quick that God just made it clear to me what, um, what I was supposed to do, how to handle something. You know, God cares about those little things, the little details of our lives. And so often we may take those things for granted But I think we're only fooling ourselves um, when, we, when we don't recognize God and his, how he's showing himself in his loving ways. God really desires me. And I want to recognize how much God loves each one of you. Exactly the same work that he has done in my life and is continuing to do in my life. He's doing that in each one of your lives here this morning. And as much as God loves me, he loves the sinner, the one, the ones that he wants to call to himself. God's love is so boundless. The patient father waiting for the sinner, waiting for each one of us. Patiently loving each one within the safety of the fold. Just referring back a little bit here to that elder brother. Maybe we could liken him to the one who was left as the father went out, or as the shepherd went out seeking. But you know, the father had not forgotten the elder brother. The elder brother simply needed to open his heart to the love that his father had for him. And just how abundantly he was blessed in being under his father's care. This morning, I, I just want to be encouraged and challenged by these stories here. And I want to encourage each one of you that um, we would just continue to walk in the love of our Heavenly Father. And that we also would extend that love to one another. That we would extend that love to those who are not within the safety of the fold. And just that we could be um, his servants, his ministers in sharing his love.